Amen. You do you know that? Um, so we want to um, look at our message this morning. It'll be two parts to it, not next week, uh, but everything within this day. But I just want to just walk you through when we talk about the resurrection. This is Resurrection Sunday, and so we need to look at that. Let's. This our theme will be, or our sermon topic will be, he's back. Uh, I know that's a long way of saying it, but uh, would you just say it? Help me out. What is it? One more time. My ears are so stopped. But will you help me one more again? Good. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for today, beautiful day that you have given us, and and your word is uplifting and a joy, a blessing to our hearts. So we come this day and we praise your name for who you are and the plans that you have. Yesterday has been taken care of. Today you've woken us through us and, and tomorrow you're mapping it out. And Lord, you're in control all the way. Then why should we worry? And so we, we come today and we uh, ask that you speak to our hearts. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for the insights that you've given your servant. Helping out to clearly share, articulate those things out of your word. For in Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, Amen. Okay, so then as we talk about uh, he's back, then we uh, go to the uh, next slide here. And uh, as you see this, uh, when we say he's back, it's a twofold. It's not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. Jesus had been gone for three years away from the Father, the angels, and everything else. Can you imagine Jesus Christ going back to the Father after three years and the, the angelic uh, choir and everybody else? I can imagine it was a screaming, hollering time at that time. And they were saying, he's back. He's back. But, but oh, but you see, although it thrilled the hearts of those individuals, uh, how it was received on earth was a little bit different. And so that's what we want to look at also. So we want to walk you through this whole process. Uh, the, it says, he's not here. Or he has risen. They're at the tomb. They're looking for Jesus. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Some churches, the one church I know is the come and see Baptist church. Uh, but come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he's coming before you uh, to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So we told him to come see, check this out. He's back. We'll go to the next slide. And he said to, to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. Since the place where they laid him. He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you? Remember how he told you? One more time. Remember how he told you? While he was still in Galilee, I was going to get up. Um, and so anyway, let's go on. In our introduction, we praise God and rejoice because of the, the marvelous grace and mercy given by uh, display and displayed through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, that has placed us on the other side of the cross, where death takes on a new demeaning for a meaning for the followers of Christ. We're talking now about the cross, going up to the cross, 
all the things that Jesus Christ had done. We talked about that last week. Now we're on the other side of the cross. And on the other side of the cross, there's some things that we need to know. Uh, but Jesus Christ, he did, I need to say this again, that when Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he took three packages. The first package was the sins of the whole world. The second package was to be condemned by God and nailed to the cross. And then the third package was God's marvelous grace that came into our lives. So this is what happened. So in a review, death was essential because sins clashed with the holiness and righteousness of God. Death is inevitable. Everybody is going to die. You can, you can put your wigs on. You can dye your hair and all that. You're going to die. Just so everybody understand it. We'll be on the same page. Just, just say, I'm going to die. Okay. Uh, I know that's ebonic, but I'm going to die. Okay. That, either way, you can realize that. Just real fact, you're going to die. Okay. Uh, it's inevitable. Unless God prevenes, intervenes, there is nothing to prevent it from happening. Why does, what does death mean? Uh, simply, uh, the simplest way of uh, explaining it is that it is a state of permanent separation and punishment applied to the offsprings of Adam. There is no reversal because it is the penalty for sinning against the holy and righteous God. Every time we disobey God, every time we walk outside of the word of God, Jesus Christ says, I'm taking that to the cross because if not, you're lost. I think it's important that we understand this thing, that sin is a serious thing with God. How do I know it's serious? Because Jesus Christ had to come down from heaven, take all of the beatings and all of those things for us. If Bear with me. If sin is that horrific, then how powerful, how awesome will be the judgment of God to those who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior? Those who still hold on to, I'm doing it my way. You're going to do it your way, except you will not be with God. And God will leave you in that state forever. He does not go back and see how you're doing. Once you're there, you're there. Okay, and so God is serious about this. Don't don't shortchange God in this area. Okay, um, well, I think you got the idea. But God, God our Father, we redefine the significance of the cross and put an end to the power and penalty of sin, ushering in a new relationship with Him through the blood of Christ. Observation: Christ's death and release His life flipped the switch. I shared this with Christmas. Uh, on um, third, uh, Friday night, a part of this, that Jesus Christ flipped the switch. I should have brought a little switch here to show you electronically, but you pretty much got the idea that in electronics, you have this, this flow of electricity. And if you want to cut the lights off, you have to do have to cut it. You have to flip the switch and it cuts it off. Okay. But the moment that you cut it back on, it starts flowing again. When man sinned against God, it flipped the switch. And man was separated from God and, and God was separated from man. And there was no way in the world that man could do anything to satisfy God because the switch was cut off. But oh, Jesus came along <laughs> and Jesus Christ came and he flipped the switch. And when he flipped the switch, he put it back together again. 
And when you put the gap, now it's flowing. All of us who know Jesus Christ, it's flowing. And that switch, you cannot switch it back. God has made sure that you will not, matter of fact, he'll take you out of this world if you're one of his before you try to flip it back because it's been settled a long time ago. And so he's back is a cry. Means our justification has been validated. He back means a new identification. He back, he's back means the entrance of the Holy Spirit into the believer's life. He's back means a validation of our inheritance. He, his back, he's back means a new relationship as adopted sons and daughters. You see here, all the things that when he came back, all of these things on the other side of Calvary, we're getting. Before Calvary, it was sin. Before Calvary, it was the judgment of God. But when he came back and flipped the switch, now we're on the other side. And so when he come back, and when he did come back, then that's what happened. Justification and identification and uh, entrance uh, of the Holy Spirit into the believer's life. When the Holy Spirit enters your life, you know what the scripture says? It will be, Jesus what Jesus said, it will be forever. Not just when you get the glory. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, then it will be forever. When we look at Ecclesiastes, whatever God does, it is forever. Okay, nothing can be taken away from it. Nothing can be added to it. So God said, I'm going to want the moment you get on the other side of Calvary, the Holy Spirit has locked it to your life. And he's, he's your paraclete. He's the one who walks alongside you. When you can't get a prayer through, he's right there for you. He's back. It's all because you're on the other side of Calvary. I would think that somewhere along the line, somebody would say, amen. Okay, amen. Lights. Okay, then the whole thing, he's back means a new position. Join heirs with Christ. He, he's back means a new citizenship. He's back means a new level of power through the blood of Christ. He, he's back means a firm a victory over any and everything in our physical life. And that's why I said, you can hear me say over and over again, uh, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Resist. It didn't say fight the devil. It said resist the devil. And when you resist him in the blood of Jesus Christ, then what happens is that he has to, because it's not, then walk away, he runs, okay? So he's back because of that victory we have. One more thing, he's gone. Uh, he's back means a bonding of every believer into the family. That's, that's, why, uh, that's why I know a lot of you have close family ties. Praise the Lord for your close family ties. Guess what? It's going to be severed when you die. Oh, but those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, you are my brothers and sisters in the Lord. You are per perfect in your position, although you might not act like it, but your position before God is perfect. And regardless of what you do, I have the obligation to love you and forgive you and pray for you. He's back made that possible. He's back. We are a family and we need to see each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Uh, not like, hey, somebody or hey, you. No, that's your brother and sister in the Lord. And be careful what you say about your brother and sister in the Lord. And don't let anyone else talk about your brother and sister in the Lord. Because you know why? All of us will be with the Lord forever. And we have to give an account of the deeds done in our body. Even what we say. God will be judging that with the saints. He's back 
and affirm victory over sin, the flesh, sinful nature, Satan, and uh, this world. He, he's back means an affirmation to a divine principle that whatever God does, it is forever. Well, see this word, but you read this other passage, what does this other passage have to do with this? You have to understand the he, he's back concept before we see what happens when he does come back and affect, affect someone else, okay? So, thinking it through, Christ's resurrection presented a severe problem for his followers. John 28 says, then the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise, rise from the dead. It goes on. There were various reactions to the resurrection of Christ. Let's examine the threefold response of Thomas. We're going to do a case study. And the case study of Thomas. I have to stop myself. I don't know what he been to say. We always refer to Thomas. He's called the what? And uh, why do we label folks because of where they where they are and they still need to come to uh, grow? But, but we, whenever somebody, uh, you don't want no one to label you like that. Uh, so I, for, for me, stop me if I'm saying doubting Thomas, please. Uh, who, who, I do not have the right to call him doubting Thomas. Although he doubts, that's not that's not his character. I'm not labeling him. People make mistakes, and somehow we that follows them for the rest of their lives. Okay. Oh, scary Johnny. Okay, well, then, I mean, you just, they just follow you through for the rest of your life. Well, we're, we know that it's Thomas. So we'll, we'll refer to our dear, dear brother in Christ as Thomas. And here are the three things. It was a personal, painful, and devastating experience. Second, Thomas gave specific requirements for accepting the truth. Jesus' phenomenal and gracious response. Well, let's get, get busy. Let's, let's start with, with number one. The first one is, it was a personal, painful, and devastating experience. We need, we need to walk now into uh, Thomas' situation. Yes, Christ has risen. And yes, uh, man uh, can be forgiven through the blood of Christ. All of these things. He was a disciple uh, of, of Christ for three years. The time that they laughed, the time they took communion, the whole ball of wax. Now he's dead. And their concept of Jesus Christ coming and, and restoring Jerusalem and uh, the Jews and everything else seemed like everything was crushed. But you know, where sin abound, grace does much more abound. It's not God's intention. Get this, you'll learn from, uh, from Thomas. It's not God's intention that you, you stay in a hole, the quagmire of self-pity and everything else when Jesus Christ has raised and tell you in his word to rejoice in the Lord always. He said, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't know. But I have experienced many of things that you're going through. But all that, listen carefully, is not what's happening on the outside. It's what's happening on the inside. Whenever you're in an accident or whatever the case may be, uh, it's not what's happening on the outside. That's a fact. Everybody would agree with that. The thing now is, how is it going on the inside? When I, was, when I had a, the accident with the, with the car and that I mean, totaled the car and everything else and turned it around. And, uh, and when the car stopped, 
okay? I was I was not screaming Jesus. I was not. I not, was not. This is down racket. Now some of you always said, "Hey, I would be screaming the top of my voice." But uh, but when I when I when the car stopped, uh, immediately my mind says, "Where's your glasses? Where's this? Where's this? Where's this? If we're coming to take you out. Make sure you're ready." I mean, that's how my mind was was going. Uh, but meanwhile, I was counting the blessings. First thing I realized, I'm still alive. Second thing I realized, you know, I'm not hurt, basically, a little pain here, that, but I'm okay right there. Take an inventory, folks. you better on the inside than you are on the outside. So don't let your outside mess up your inside. Don't have, have me repeat that. But the whole idea is this, is that when something happens, it messes you up. And it's, it's a personal thing for, for Thomas. So let's walk into that. Okay, let's go to this side. Now, Thomas, one of the 12 called the twin was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, the Lord in the back. Here he's, how, how does he snap now? How do you get out of this? My Savior was crucified and you guys were running alongside of me trying to get out of there. And you're saying he's back. You're rejoicing and I'm stuck. How do you help a believer when they're stuck? That you can't tell them to get over it. Thomas, Thomas was here says, you have to understand, you can call me doubting, but I had nothing to hold on to. My hopes was, was, was died when I heard that Jesus Christ, recognized that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. Where do I go from this point? What do I tell people about this Christ? I'm in a crisis situation. I don't know how to get out of it. There's a lot of you, I don't care what it is, you're probably going through some crisis situation and sometimes you feel like you're not getting out of it. Maybe Thomas have you here this morning to say, listen, that's a reality, but don't be locked into your reality. Be locked into the fact that there's a God over your reality that's always in control. But first, recognize it happened. When, I, when that car that car hit me and it twirled me around and, and hit other cars and all these other things, glass flying and, and uh, the emergency thing popped up in my face. Uh, I said, why didn't it pop over here? No, it popped right into my face. But, but after all that dust and the stuff cleared, uh, I, I said, okay, all right, here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. Now I need wisdom as where do I go from here? And uh, and so um, when they opened the door and everything else and they tried to see if my cognitive ability was straight, they said, well, yes, say 87th Street. You know, I said, and where were you going? They said, well, I was going uh, to Sam's to pick up some things. And I said, and they said, and who's the president of the United States? And I became mischievous. I didn't say it though. Um, but I was thinking something like George Washington. Uh, but I didn't say it. Praise the Lord, I didn't say it. Uh, but I told him the President of the United States. But I was, in other words, get a grip. Do what? One more time. Now, now, now watch, watch what happens now with Thomas. Uh, no doubt that the disciples informed Thomas with a joyful report. From Thomas' position, the news had an adverse effect. 
missing out on the joyous experience, receiving it from the testimony of his fellow disciples, plagued with the recent overwhelming and devastating experience of the crucifixion. That's what Paul, I mean, that Thomas had to come into. Guys rejoicing, him depressed in the same room. And uh, he's really down at that. Okay, let's go on. Um, and so he was listening to information that conflicted with his, his lack of understanding of Christ's death and resurrection. Lack of any proof to validate his testimony. Lack of personal understanding and confirmation. He, he came to the table. Everybody else rejoicing. He came to the table empty, empty. No, I believe that Thomas found himself between a rock and a hard place. Go back. Uh, go back just one more. Uh, yeah, you okay? We go to the second part then. Because he was on the rock in a higher place, then we go to part two. Um, Thomas gave specific requirements for accepting the truth. In, the, in other words, here I am. I'm going through all of this. I need to get some type of stability, so I'm going to make up my own rules. Your guys, you guys giving me the news and, and you rejoicing won't help me. I need to get my mind together. And since I don't have Christ around me and not talking about the Holy Spirit within him, per se, this man was in a desperate situation. Please understand that. And so Thomas gave some specific rules. Here's what he said. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and a place my fingers and place my fingers in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side. Oh, now, now notice what the last four words are. I will never, never believe. You guys can rejoice in everything else, but listen, one thing, I will never believe. You don't understand what I'm going through. I don't have anything to hold on to. You guys rejoicing. I need something to hold on to. And so unless I need some burden, I need the burden of proof. Proverbs 12, 17 talks about the fact of, of truth and that uh, truth always has a burden of proof. And so the whole idea here is that it says, I need the proof or I'm going to hold on to where I'm at. That would have been bad because he's already in a bad place. But he said, I'm going to be stuck in this quagmire of, of pity and pain and fear and everything else. But unless I'm able, you guys have a test. I want a testimony. Thank you for your testimony. I want a testimony. So unless I and as I see, and as I put my hand, if I can do all of those things, if not, I will never believe. You know, I, I can imagine, and be careful, saints, sometimes we're hard on those who are struggling. Um, be gracious. If ever there are time for them, for us, another believer to be gracious, is when the individual is stuck in the cycle. Uh, let me pause for station identification to talk about the cycle. Just 
whenever you go through a cycle, here's what the cycle looks like. You might be able to identify. The first thing is, boom, what happened? Next is, I don't believe it's happening to me. Next is, is there anyone else going through what I'm going through? The next is, has God forgotten me? The next is, you know what? Maybe it's my time to just check out of this world. But God. <laughs> but God comes along because, you see, there's a full cycle. Because whenever you go through a crisis, you can never go back to what used to happen. You hear what I'm saying? Whether it's COVID, you never go back to the, the normal. You have to go now to the new norm. And so what happens is in the cycle is God speaks to your heart and lets you know you don't have to go that route of taking your life. God speaks to your heart and lets you know that he's still in control. God speaks to your heart and say, you know what? You need to pray. God speaks to your heart and get you on the other side. And on the other side, it's a new thing, but it's the right thing. Thomas, he didn't get that. And Thomas was here saying, I, I, did, I didn't get that. I had to battle this. I had to stand my ground. That's why I said never. Not that I was angry at Christ. Or anything. I was angry at the situation I was in and seemed like I couldn't get out of it. He's back, but I'm not feeling it. Well, I think you got the idea. You got the idea. Unless, go back just one more time ago. Unless I see in his hands as his, as the mark of the nails, place my finger in the mark of the nails, place my hands into his side, I will never believe. Where do you, where do you go? Where do you get? Now we had a stalemate. Now we're at a point where, okay, then do we continue to rejoice about Jesus had risen from the dead and here this guy is stuck? How, how would you handle that in a meeting when a person says, here's where I'm at and I'm not moving? You know, that's, that's, that's when God always does his best when he's able to move into a situation like this. Now we're ready to go to the next one there. Observation, Thomas Fick's decision would have guaranteed him being imprisoned by the dangerous stronghold of unbelief. Thomas had to stretch beyond his experience and emotional challenge and make a choice to believe in the resurrection of Christ. In his frame of mind, he was a helpless sheep that greatly needed the shepherd or his shepherd. Belief is not conditional. It's volitional. It's willful. It's a willful decision that you make. Do you believe in Christ? Either yes or no. There's no middle of the road. Not, well, I attend church. That, that will not save you. You have to believe that Jesus Christ went through all of this for you and for me. Amen. Well, Here's our third then, Jesus' phenomenal and gracious response. Well, as we go here, notice what it says. John 20, 26. 
Eight days later, how many days? I want that to just, I underlined, yelled it in and everything. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be unto you. Oh, yeah, that's, that's wonderful. Whenever Jesus gets into your life, I don't care what you're going through. Those, there's a word they call uh, rima. That's God's personal word to you. And that's when you you can be in a crowd and all of a sudden God says, you okay, just stay where you are. Peace. Peace be still, he said to the, to the disciples, to the uh, storm. And the disciples were blown out of the way when, when the uh, atmospheric conditions came to immediate stop. Jesus Christ came among his disciples. One person bent out of shape, the other rejoicing, and Jesus Christ came in and said, peace. One is saying, hallelujah, Jesus, and the other is saying, Jesus, peace. Jesus came into a complex situation, and you know whenever God goes into a complex situation, there's going to be something wonderful coming out of it. Let him into your complex situation. Don't wallow in the quagmire of self-pity or whatever the case may be. Regardless of your situation, never forget that Jesus will meet you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, when I hear, when I heard of Brandon say that in his message, that has been resonating my thinking all the time. Jesus will meet you. You, you see it right here. You know? Here's a guy that's going through so much and he's meeting with the guys again. I don't know how that was going to go. One rejoicing, one depressed. But they're all there. The whole family is there. Some on a hallelujah boulevard and some help me Jesus on the other side. And Jesus shows up. As many as two or three gathered in my name, there would I be. He shows up again. And when Jesus shows up, as if say, I'm back. Um, regardless of your situation, make sure that you keep Jesus in, in the picture. Christ's timely experience. Jesus took his time in responding to Thomas' trouble, troubled and frightening situation, condition. Did you notice that Jesus didn't immediately show up and say, Thomas, I am alive? <laughs> no, no. He let Thomas go to almost basically the end of everything that he can ever hope for, uh, the depression and everything else, then Jesus steps in. Uh, it's, it's only then. And he lets you get to the end so that you will not say you did it. And when Jesus did, he was gracious. That's why when he said peace, he didn't come in saying, what's going on here? Why do we have some folk believing and another doubting? What's going on? He didn't come in blasting the guys. Now, there are times that he had to blast the guys. You were, oh, oh unbelievers. What else did I have to do with you guys? No, he, but this was not a time. He, he was a guy hurting. And guess what? He didn't come to talk to the two disciples. He came to talk to Thomas. He had Thomas in that. I want you to notice something that uh, uh, the whole idea of, of Thomas, um, that Jesus, when he came, he stood in the middle of them. He stood in the middle of them. He chose the, the time 
eight days. He chose the right place, gathering of his disciples. He chose the right environment, locked the doors. All the doors locked. Uh, they didn't lock them because they wanted to pray. They locked because they were scared. So they locked, had the doors locked and everything else, okay? Jesus, and Jesus walked through all of that <laughs> just to talk to Thomas. Did he, can you imagine what the Jesus would walk through just to talk to you? I don't care what the locked doors and how helpless it may seem. Look for him. He will meet you. He will meet you. Well, um, uh, we, we see that um, his tender and personal approach. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. See my, uh, my hand. Put your hand and place it in my side and do not disbelieve but believe how do you think jesus said that yeah. okay thomas you've been doubting and going i gave you eight days kind of get your act together yeah come here come here come here. Put, put, the, put your finger here put your, he wasn't intimidating jesus came as the suffering savior he came as the shepherd he came and he, he kept his word that I'm meek and lowly. He came in with a sense, I'll never embarrass you when I come to ask, answer your prayer. That's a lesson we can learn from Thomas. <laughs> um, and, uh, and also enable Thomas to um, flip the switch on his flawed determination. There were five things Jesus instructed Thomas to do. Put your fingers right here. Come on, Thomas. See my hands. See my hands there? See the, the discarded hands? Take a good look, Thomas. Why look? Because you said you'll never believe. I want to break that never up. You'll never lose your salvation. But when it comes down to believers, never get to the point of saying, I'll never believe. So let's go through the process. That's my hands. Come on, Thomas. Uh, and place it, and if I said, and, and put your hand, notice this, uh, place it in my side. Uh, here's where they pierce me, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Never, you never believe, I want you to believe that. So, and so place it in my side, and do not disbelieve, but believe. You know, when Thomas did all of that, um, I don't know how other folks interpreted it. It wasn't like he didn't almost like I've been scared. Oh, oh my Lord, my God. No. Uh, you would have taken the Lord's name in vain. Thou should not take the Lord's, the Lord's name in vain. So it wasn't. So cancel that off, okay? But he said it, he's saying it in, in prayer. He why? Because he's delivered. Now I believe. I have taken the eraser of, of doubt and have a, and, and I know what I have believed it. I have wiped out all of the doubts. And I, now I believe. Hallelujah. Now I'm with the rest of you guys. He's back. <laughs> Hallelujah. He's back. Thomas had to come back a little bit later, but uh, you know, the others were there and they were rejoicing. Now you have one big happy family. Because Jesus, notice this, Jesus takes our believing personal. And I trust that you believe that. You can break God's heart when God says, 
cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you and you still act like you don't belong to him. Is that belief or unbelief? See, you understand who I am? I don't. You don't understand what's, what I'm going through? I don't. I'm just telling you from the spiritual perspective. If you want peace, lasting peace, joyous relationship with the Lord, then you have to believe. And guess, guess what? Jesus Christ made it very clear. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. It's not based on to blessed those are those who believe without the test. Now, I don't know this Dr. Don Jacket saying, I'm not coming to every one of you all and, and, and showing myself. So, I'll, so blessed are they who believe without needing the facts when it comes down to me. That's protocol. When you talk to an individual who uh, say, I know Jesus Christ is my personal savior. When individuals come in for counseling, um, I ask, well, then tell me, how did you come to know the Christ? Know Christ. Uh, I, don't ask, I never ask the question, uh, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? What do you think you're going to say? Yeah. Okay. But when you ask them, hey, tell me, how did you come to believe? And it's there. They'll share where they are. Well, Thomas wasn't there, but meeting Jesus, it happened. Let's go to the next slide. I think it's important for that. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. <laughs> uh, Thomas responds from being relieved from his state of unbelief properly, refreshed his heart, soul, and mind, and ignited his response with, with these words, my Lord and my God. He didn't say, oh, Lord, and oh, God. He said, my personal, my Lord, and my God. Oh, he's, he's back. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas is now in the end with the rest of the group. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Notice Jesus a critique of Thomas' method of responding to truth. Jesus questioned his method of establishing truth. I'll never believe unless I do that. Jesus set a timeless principle for all of his followers. Believers are truly blessed when they believe the word of God. That's what, as far as I'm concerned, no, say, well, uh, God said it, I believe. It does not matter whether you believe it or not. If God said it, that's a fact. Now, believing will determine where you stand with him. Amen? Okay. Well, with that said, one last thing. You know, we see one last thing. I'm wrapping it up. Believing is a choice that affects everything we do, think, and say. And the word of God is mentioned 139 times. Distinguishing uh, the status of righteousness only to those who believe. He's risen. <laughs> He's back. In our position of righteousness and being uh, the adopted sons and daughters of God, we must be ready for the next phase of God's eternal plan. He's coming back again. Ushering us into his presence forever.
When he first came, he came as a baby to try to kill him. Um, through his life, they tried to push him over the, over the cliff, tried to stone him. None of that worked. Finally, he let them put him on the cross of Calvary, and he gave up his spirit. But when he comes back, he's going to come, come. The first thing, he's going to come back, and he's going to be loud with the voice of the angels of Trump of God, and those of us who are asleep, he, he, he doesn't even call, uh, call it death. He said, those who are asleep in Christ, he'll call you. Put your name in it. Donald, that's the only name I know. Donald, he'll call me. <laughs> uh, the whole idea is that he'll call us by name and we'll be with him forever. He's back. The switch was was it was it was flipped back to to on, and we have the full flow of all that God has for us now and forever. Then why do we treat God as if He's our bellhop? Why do we uh, let this thing uh, mess with our minds? Well, let's close in a word of prayer. Father God, we close this uh, segment of your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share with the saints. And I understand that we hear with two different ears. One from the physical aspects, the resonation of sound in our earlobes, and then we have a heart that's in tune with you. I pray, Lord, that you bring all of us with our hearts in tune with you. For those who are not in tune, maybe they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's my prayer that they realize that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the whole world. And Lord, they have to believe that that same Jesus Christ on the third day, rose again. And they had to actually admit the fact that they're sinners and they couldn't save themselves. And then ask for forgiveness and be a part of your family through their belief. I pray, Lord, that all of us are on the other side of Calvary where you will be and we'll see you face to face and won't be alone. Great is your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.